Now, this week has been a time of turmoil for our nation. Of course, we've all seen the pictures. Some of us have watched the video of what happened to George Floyd. A couple weeks ago, I watched the video of Ahmaud Aubrey being murdered and gunned down while he was on a jog. I've read the reports of Breonna Taylor and her boyfriend as they were assaulted in the middle of the night for no good reason. And on and on and on. Stories of injustice that have been part of our history and part of our current reality. This morning, instead of a normal Sunday Bible study or sermon, I recorded a conversation with my friend, Pastor Herman Green. Pastor Herman is the pastor at Abundant Life PDX up in Northeast. It's our sister church, part of the Pacific Conference with us. Um, Pastor Herman is a great brother in Christ, co-laborer for the gospel of Jesus. And we recorded a conversation about what's going on in our city, what's going on in our country, and how we got here and what we can do going forward. Uh, I don't agree with 100% of everything Herman says. Herman doesn't agree with 100% of everything I say. Um, But it's important to have relationship and dialogue and to hear multiple voices so that we don't just sit in a self-contained echo chamber. Before we begin our conversation, though, I would ask you to bow your head and your heart with me in a word of prayer. Oh, Lord, this is a week of turmoil, a week of strife, a week of fear, a week of rage. Father, we ask that you would restore peace, law, and order in our city. We know that The many thousands who have protested peacefully have had their message hijacked by those who just want to destroy. We also know, Lord, that the many who have protested have done so because they have lived in fear, lived under injustice. Father, help us to have humble hearts, open ears. Help us to have a willingness to engage with truths that might be uncomfortable, but that we need to address and tackle head on. Lord, we pray that you would bring comfort to the families of those like George Floyd, those like Ahmaud Aubrey, those like Breonna Taylor, who have lost loved ones. Lord, we pray that you would bring peace and safety to our community. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I hope it's a blessing to you. Yeah, when you're you're a white kid growing up in Seattle, right? Like they show you uh, The Long Walk Home. Remember that movie? That That movie is shown, I think, at least twice. Like you see it in like third grade and then maybe like there's a substitute teacher in fifth grade. Um, Are you... Oh yeah, yeah. Like I saw that movie, and um, and like that was like the the kid friendly movie they would show you to explain racism. Um, And then like in high school, I saw Life, which we were just talking about, and I saw uh, 
Mississippi burning. And, you know, so then all of a sudden, uh, you know, things are a little more intense. Yes. I like life because it, it, it spoke to, for me, when, so when you start watching it, like, okay, this is, this is going to be good, you know, and then you see the, the racism pop up and you're like, yep, oh, there we go. There, there we go. And then at some point you start thinking, okay, they go get out of this and they go make some money. And then you see them getting older and nothing is changing. <laughs> it's like, they still in this, wait a minute. So our whole life, we got, we're going to deal with this injustice and there's nothing that nothing that's ever going to happen. And then you see the, you see the pop-up of where the guy realizes that, you know, it wasn't their fault yeah. and he's getting ready to let him out. And they're like, everybody's all happy about it. And he dies. Yeah. Doesn't he die on the toilet? <laughs> he has like an heart attack on the toilet. What the heck? <laughs> what the heck? So then it's just like, so now once I, I finally get someone who recognizes that this is true, then they're gone. Yeah. Well, that, that sucks, Egg. And then there's nobody else. And now you got to go the rest of this time trying to figure out how you're going to give out, how you're going to get out or whatever. And it's just yeah, the ending when you think about it is really tragic. Because who goes to a baseball game? That is not what I want to do. I want some money. I want some, I want a big house. I, I want all kind of stuff. I, man, I, I can't even begin to tell you all the stuff that I would want after that long of a lifetime. None of it's going to matter because I'm really, you know, like dust. The funny thing is that's all that I want. Like at the end of quarantine here, we're locked down. All I want is baseball to start. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Because to me, baseball is the, the slowest game ever. It's just like, it's, it's 20 minutes of action packed into about an hour and a half or however long it takes. But there's really, if you put all the action parts together, I think you only got about 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, that's why we don't play it in the winter. We play it in the summer and you can just kind of chill out and come back in and out. <laughs> so, Hey, so Herman, yeah. for, for, uh, for, for folks at My Church, Faith on Hill, uh, can you just tell us like a little bit about yourself, about your family, about your church? Yeah, um, I've been married for, uh, 25, yeah, about 25 years now. Um, I've got four kids. My oldest daughter is now a um, teacher at Roosevelt High School. And I have a grandchild. She, she gave me a grandchild. So um, that's, that's absolutely awesome. I, I love that. Um, and my second daughter is getting ready to go back to U of O to study law. My son records music. Um, and he, he has aspirations and uh, wanting to be a uh, music artist. Um, he's done a few videos and, um, and got a few shows that were supposed to be happening, but with, with this COVID-19, I don't think any of that stuff is going to happen anytime soon. So he can cancel those shows. Well, he canceled two already that I know of. But in any case, um, and then my youngest daughter, who's 18, um, will be leaving for U of O um, this fall. So... Of the four kids that I have, two of them are going to be out of the house because one has her own. The youngest will be leaving when fall starts. And then the other two who have come back home, I'm trying to usher them out because 
I'm, I'm really looking forward to being an empty nester and having the house to ourselves and running around naked on Wednesdays. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that part, but I can't do that while they're here. So I have to get them out. But that's, that's pretty much me in a nutshell, as far as like, I guess that's my family life. Our church life, um, we pastor Abundant Life Church in North Portland. It used to be, um, for the old, um, if you're older and you've been in the denomination um, a while, it was Mox Crest. And then it went from being Mox Crest to Life Fellowship. And now it's Abundant Life. And that's where it's going to be. Cause I've got a good, I've got a good 60 years left in me. So it's going to be that way for a good while. Um, we serve the North Portland community. Um, we do uh, mostly a lot of missional activities, a lot of outreach work um, with the apartment complexes that are, they're about, I would say about a quarter, not even a, about a quarter of a mile away from where the church is at. So they're very close um, in proximity. Oftentimes we actually walk to the park um, from the church. Um, and then there's a housing uh, complex that's right across the street from the church that we've recently started uh, ministering to. The individuals there are a little older. Um, and so we are doing uh, like support things, like support and just helping them, um, you know, just get through. Um, but really just trying to be a good neighbor and really uh, become like part of the fabric of the community so that we're not just this, this church living over here in isolation, but the people around the church don't really know what we do because we do all of our work somewhere else away from the community. And then we come back here on Sundays, hide out in the room, have a service and then sneak out. And so we're trying to avoid that like a plague. Um, but we've been doing ministry um, since about in this same community, I, I'd say since about 98. We started doing ministry in this community in 98. Um, and we've been here um, since then. So. Mm -hmm. That's, that's essentially what I do. I love people. And, uh, the, you know, you and I, have, uh, we've been friends for a couple years now. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're, you know, we go to conference stuff and yep. um, all that. What, um, what I, I respect your opinion a lot. So I, I want to know, like, just like three minutes, like, how did we get to where we're at? Because cause we've seen, like, in the last, I mean, you know, it's not even done. Like as we speak, there, there's there's people still trying to burn down Portland, and then yeah. there's people that are are trying to like peacefully do things correctly. You know, and and stand for uh, stand stand for justice. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so, and then there's people just going like, well, you know, that's one bad one bad apple, one bad seed, right? Uh, you know, in in another part of the country. So, yep. so how did we get to where we're at? Just you know, nutshell. Nutshell, um, I would say that this is this is more of a uh, a boiling point. This is not a this can't be encapsulated in one single one single event, right? You can't just simply say, "Well, it was this event that caused this to happen," or "It was this event that caused this to happen." And this is a a um, a combination of a lot of different things happening, especially here in Oregon, because in Oregon, we, we have to understand that Oregon was established as a, uh, a whites only state. It was going to be the only state in the union that was whites only. And so when you go back to the, the history of the, the state, black people weren't even supposed to be here. And then when they were here, um, they were supposed to be able to work, do the thing and then leave. And so 
that was a that was the foundation that the state was built on. And then now with the different things that have been happening, you know, we can't we got to go all the way back to um, like the the civil rights era and what was happening here in Oregon and how black people were still feeling marginalized and how they were told to live in one side of town and then um, forced and moved from there and told to live somewhere else and then took from um, over by Emanuel and moved somewhere else because they were supposed to be building a hospital that just recently got built. So that's, you know, then you've got that going on. Then you've got the, the, the gentrification that's slowly been happening since the, since the I'd say the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been happening. Then you've got um, Sakru, the Ethiopian who in 88 was um, right downtown, was pulled from his car by three skinheads and beat to death with a baseball bat. And so that happened in 1988. Then you've got, um, um, you've got Kendra James who was shot by the, you've got all of these different things that have been happening to the black community and it's reached like this boiling point west to where no one can say, you know, in the black community is saying that it's, it's that one thing. It's that, that when they did that, that's what did it. But for us, it's been more like, this has been a progression of, of racism that has built up to this point. You th- think about all the families that have been um, disrupted by, uh, by racism. Where, where, and if we're talking in this particular instance, we want to talk about police or whatever. But you think about all the different instances in Portland where um, police have disrupted families. When we look at our stops data and we look at the, the amount of... Um, black people that get stopped and for the reason that they get stopped for versus the number of white people that are getting stopped. When we look at our, um, um, our use of force data that says the, this is the, the use of force as it pertains to black people versus as it pertains to white people for the same exact crimes. And you see that is disproportionately for being used against um, black people. When we start looking at the, the number of arrests for arrests that are being made for um, similar crimes, and how it's disproportionate to black America as it is for, for white America. And so this is not one singular incident for us. And then when you look at it, say, well, that's, that's not, this stuff isn't happening, you know, like it is in other places, but it's happening around the world, which gives us as black Americans the, the idea that there's nowhere in America you can go where you'll be, where you'll be safe from this type of injustice. So whether it's Oregon or whether it's California or whether it's Washington or whether it's Minnesota or whether it's New York or whether it's in Kentucky or wherever, Florida, no matter where you go, black people are going to face some of the same injustices around this, around the state. So where is it a free space for us to really be, you know, where we're going to be treated equally? Mm-hmm. And that's what this uproar, this uptick is, is about because it's, this injustice has been happening for a long time now. This didn't just start. This has been going on for a long time. And I feel like it's just, it's reached a boiling point now with the, um, with the uh, Minnesota situation. And, and when, because that was, that was in everybody's face. I mean, you, you watched that, you saw that. And there's nothing, there's nothing that you can say to me anyway, to make sense of that. No, I mean everybody. Everybody was in agreement on that. That was the, that was kind of the frustrating thing, because we've been we got divided again the last five, six, seven days over the riots, but but 
for like four days before that, everybody agreed. Like that was not okay. That was, that was like, you know, should not have happened. You just had to see the video. That's right. kind of the disheartening. So, you know? Let's think about the disruption, right? So we got, we got separated or with the, the idea that we got separated um, behind the, the rioting. Now, first and foremost, I want to just, let me just state for everybody on board, Pastor Herman is not saying that I condone looting. I condone um, the destruction of property. I think we all stand in agreement that um, burning down our own city is not going to change. It's not going to change anything. You know, destroying um, the small businesses, um, you know, especially the small businesses. You know, it's, it's not that I don't have an issue with big business. But big business, they've got a lot more to draw from than the small businesses. You know what I'm saying? The, the, these are, their livelihoods are depending on, you know, what they make in this store and the business that they can produce in that store. And so to see, to see their stores um, be ravaged and, um, you know, all the, de- you know, this, that, I'm not okay with that. And so that, I've, I've talked to protest leaders and I, I've said it out, that needs to stop. We, we need to stop, you know, that. Um, but I think we also all agree that a lot of the, the damage that's being done is not being done by those protesters that are looking to be peaceful. Um, but there are a few people that come in and they intermix with the peaceful protest and they're only there to cause a problem. And so they're there to incite, to get people going, to get them, get everything happening. So we also know that that's happening. So now with all of that being said, I understand, and I'll explain it. So, the the destruction of those stores, those the the stores being torn up, and you know, and the glass being broken, and the the people going in and taking stuff out of the stores, and you know, and taking from those, and impacting the um, the individual's livelihood. Now, and when we see that, you know, we when we see that happening, all of us get upset, and we're like. Why does this continue to happen? They, they need to stop. They're not going to, it's not going to change. And so they need to stop doing this. And it makes us all feel uneasy because we don't like what we're seeing. Now I want us to imagine for a moment, the feeling that we're feeling right now, that you're going to feel this way for the rest of your life and there's nothing that you can do to change it. Because that's how black America feels. Our communities have been destroyed. Our families have been destroyed. They're taking, when they take our families and they, we've been wrongfully um, imprisoned, we've been put in, we've been arrested, that changes our, what we're ability, what we're able to, to get, what we're able to do, where we can live. And that changes our, our, our trajectory of what we can do for our future for a lifetime in most cases. And there's nothing that we can do about that by ourselves. And so there's this sense of feeling this, this hopelessness that it doesn't matter what we're going to do. None of this is going to change. And we've had to live with this for like the last 40, 50 years, mm-hmm. that nothing is changing. As we, lit and we sit and we talk to the old timers that have gone through the civil rights, and now we're seeing some of the same stuff that they experienced, and nothing has changed. And it's just like, what if you had to live with this feeling that you're feeling right now because some glass got broken and some property got stolen? that this is how you're going to have to feel for the rest of your life. How comfortable are you sitting with that for the rest of your life? I don't think, I don't think any of you, I don't think any of us are comfortable with that. 
and the whole idea of having to, to rest with that for the rest of your life makes you feel some kind of way. And so that's how I feel about it. It's like, I don't want them to do it, but I understand. I want them to stop, but I understand why they feel like they shouldn't. And, and so what we have to get to is we have to get to that place as to where we're, we're looking at one another and we're saying, okay, I agree that this needs to stop, but I also agree that the, the violence that is impacting the, the black community needs to stop. Mm-hmm. And the same way we cannot continue to move forward with, with these protests destroying property, we cannot move forward with this brutality that's, that's ravaging the black home. And so they both need to stop. And until we're willing to, to, to put every step and every measure in place the same way we are to stop this, this rioting, to put that same measure and that same effort in place to stop what's happening to Black America, then why should it stop? Mm-hmm. I feel about it. So, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, knowing my, my church, um, there, there's a huge amount of sympathy for what you're saying. And then the thought is, um, this area is like 86% white, mm-hmm. uh, the area we're down in, and in some places it's higher. And, and so, so we're going, um, hey, we, we, we're not racist and we don't, you know, you, you hear all the catchphrases, right? I don't see color, we love everyone. Um, and and so, so we, you know, we don't want, we don't want the black community, you know, uh, treated unfairly. So why are we getting blamed for it? You know, you, you know, the kind of the dear white people uh, kind of things, you know, uh, just curious what you would you say to that. Cause there, cause there's a lot of that, that I hear, you know, just talking to folks. Man, again, the George Floyd, um, the George Floyd video um, is my response to that. Right. So in, in black America, I'm taught to how to deal with the racist, you know, from a child, uh, I'm taught, you know what I'm saying? To recognize racist behavior and then to deal with it um, based on on what you see don't not the not necessarily the individual but the character of the individual and so you watch how they they talk at you and versus talking to you you watch how they how they talk about you and and, and how they how they treat you and you, you that's how the character you start are looking at the characteristics of the individual